Saluton from Tibirabu. This is Russia's multilateral update from the 31st of October 2023, a summary of what's going down in the world's major multilateral institutions. On Wednesday, the 25th, the United Nations Security Council hosted its first public debate regarding the ongoing conflict between Israel and Gaza. Many members emphasized the urgent need for an immediate ceasefire to facilitate the delivery of humanitarian aid to Palestinians who are suffering from continuous Israeli airstrikes. Despite the discussions, the Council has not been able to pass a resolution to end the violence, with the United States exercising its veto power earlier last week against a resolution, citing insufficient emphasis on Israel's right to self-defense. Approximately 90 countries participated in the UN General Assembly speakers list, echoing the call for a cessation of hostilities and the protection of Palestinian civilians, considering the extensive destruction and rising death toll in Gaza. Speaking of the General Assembly, the body has overwhelmingly endorsed a proposal for an immediate humanitarian truce in Gaza and continuous aid provisions for civilians affected by the intense bombardment. Despite being non-biting, the resolution carries significant political weight, with 120 votes in favor, 14 against, including the United States and Israel, and 45 abstentions. It demands a lasting ceasefire, denouncing violence against both Palestinian and Israeli civilians, along with provocations and incitements. This response is the first from the 193-member body following Hamas' recent attack on Israel and the subsequent humanitarian crisis in Gaza due to the heightened Israeli counterattacks. Gilad Erdan, Israel's UN ambassador, criticized the organization's legitimacy. Meanwhile, the UN's Palestinian Relief Agency head emphasized the urgent need for a ceasefire, highlighting the dire health risks in Gaza where sewage is overflowing and lives are at risk from both airstrikes and the ongoing siege. Karim Khan, the International Criminal Courts or ICC prosecutor, speaking in Cairo on Sunday the 29th after visiting the Rafah crossing, emphasized the need for Israel to ensure that civilians in Gaza have access to essential food and medicine. Ken warned that any obstruction of these basic rights would lead to legal consequences under the Rome Statute. He underscored the importance of humanitarian aid reaching innocent civilians, especially women and children, reiterating their rights under the Geneva Conventions and international humanitarian law. Khan said his office would investigate ongoing events in Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank. He also mentioned the ICC's independent assessment of the situation. Despite Israel's rejection of the ICC's jurisdiction, the court's mandate allows for investigations when domestic authorities are unable or unwilling to address alleged crimes. The prosecutor's statements come amidst minimal aid reaching Gaza and allegations of Israel using estervation as a weapon of war. While the Security Council convened about Palestine on Wednesday the 25th, the Turkish Grand National Assembly Foreign Affairs Committee received the proposal for Sweden's NATO membership accession. Numan Kurtumus, the Assembly's speaker, emphasized the need for concrete actions from Finland and Sweden to alleviate Turkish security concerns. These steps include lifting sanctions and restrictions imposed on counterterrorism and defense industry exports. Finland and Sweden's applications for NATO membership followed Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February 2022, while Turkey previously greenlit Finland's NATO accession 
It maintained that it awaited Sweden's compliance with a trilateral memorandum from June 2022 to address Ankara's security worries. Turkish officials underscored that the decision to ratify Sweden's membership rests with the Turkish lawmakers. Moving on to the Mercosur-EU potential agreement, the Brazilian government, under Lula da Silva, predicts that the newly introduced EU anti-deforestation law will significantly impact Brazilian exports to Europe, estimating a 34% hit on exports to the EU and 15% on total exports. The law stipulates that products aren't sourced through deforestation. This includes various products, including coffee, soy, palm oil, wood, among others. In response, Tatiana Prazeres, Brazilian Secretary of Foreign Trade, is in Brussels to discuss the new law and the brother Mercosur-EU agreement. The Brazilian delegation aims to communicate exporters' concerns regarding the law and hopes to address unresolved issues during discussions with European Commission officials. The law requires EU-based importers to implement due diligence systems, ensuring products are not sourced from deforestation areas after the 31st of December 2020, with severe penalties for non-compliance. Brazil seeks to have its tracking and monitoring systems accepted, emphasizing its commitment to combating deforestation. Additionally, Brazil, along with other developing countries, has expressed concerns to European authorities aiming to avoid trade disruptions and excessive burdens on agricultural producers. The alignment of Mercosur members with Brazil's stance and the questioning of the agreement's terms by countries like France and Ireland could further delay the trade agreement's finalization with the EU. In Africa, the Economic Community of West African States, or ECOWAS, has obtained significant financial backing from Germany, with a recent grant of 81 million euros, or 85 million dollars. This contribution is part of Germany's decade-long commitment, totaling 500 million euros, or 530 million dollars to support various regional initiatives. Dr. Omar Elio Touré, president of the ECOWAS Commission, expressed gratitude for the grant, emphasizing its intended use in vital sectors such as peace and security, social protection, climate and energy transition, among others. He highlighted the collaborative efforts between ECOWAS and Germany, particularly in tackling challenges like insecurity and infrastructure deficits underscoring the interconnectedness of the two regions. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz stressed the importance of supporting ECOWAS in enhancing its infrastructure and institutional capacity to foster improved trade exchanges within the subregion. Scholz affirmed Germany's stance against the unconstitutional takeover of governments and expressed support for ECOWAS efforts in maintaining peace and security within the region. Musa Faki Mahamad chairperson of the African Union, or AU, recently urged the immediate and unconditional removal of all sanctions imposed on Zimbabwe. The country has faced unilateral sanctions since 2000, primarily due to the land reform program aimed at redistributing land to indigenous citizens. Paki echoed the Southern African Development Communities, or SADC, call for the lifting of the embargo, highlighting the adverse effects on Zimbabwe's socio-economic development. While acknowledging encouraging dialogues with the EU, Paki stressed the importance of continued engagement to eliminate remaining sanctions. 
the AU remains steadfast in supporting Zimbabwe and aligns itself with SATC's recent plea, led by Angola's president Joao Lourenco, emphasizing the negative impact of ongoing sanctions. Staying in Africa, the International Monetary Fund, or IMF, is warning African nations of a possible regional economic downturn and the interconnected impacts of China's economic slowdown on the continent. Over the past two decades, Africa and China have built strong economic ties, with China emerging as Africa's primary trading partner in resources and manufactured goods. However, the IMF cites various threats, including China's economic challenges, trade tensions, geopolitical factors, and the lingering effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. These concerns have led to disruptions in trade relations and a rise in prices for imported goods from China. To mitigate these risks, experts suggest that African countries diversify their trade partners and explore opportunities in other regions like other parts of Asia, Latin America, and the United States. Furthermore, the IMF recommends fostering a favorable business environment and enhancing regional trade integration to support the growth of both local and international businesses. The Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or Asian, and Japan's tourism ministers pledged to prioritize sustainable tourism, benefiting local communities. Discussions in Tokyo centered on cultivating high-quality experiences, promoting lesser-known destinations, and implementing digital advancements. The joint statement highlighted the sector's potential for enhancing productivity and creating jobs, emphasizing environmental conservation through eco-friendly transportation and renewable energy. Japan's transport and tourism minister underlined the importance of building trust with Asian countries to foster sustainable tourism initiatives. Found this story interesting? Head over to the Rorschach Japan update to know more. Link in the show notes. And that's it for this week. We want to make these updates better. It doesn't matter if you're a new or a long-time listener. Talk to us. We want to have a conversation with you. Do you want to talk on the phone? We'll do that. Do you want to talk via email, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn? We can do that. Just please give us a hand. We want your honest opinion. We really want to hear from you. Contact us at podcast at or at Rorschach on social media. See you next week.